Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn and has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You ruin the image of a thousand Canadians beating the crap out of each other. Well, that's called a hockey game. (laughs) Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 175 of the More Than Just Code podcast. My name is Tim Mitchell, and I'm in Toronto, Ontario, and I'm joined once again by Hammy Lopez Jr. in Seattle, Washington. How's it going? And I'm also joined by Mark Rubin down in San Jose, California. Hello. All right. And we also have Tammy Coron down there in West Tennessee. Hey now. All right. I forgot about the hey now. <laughs> um, so, Jaime, what's this deal with this train derailment thing over in your neck of the woods? Oh, caught me off guard there. Um, yeah, we had a, a brand new train line. So the, the Amtrak normally goes, I actually don't know the full extent of, of this particular line. I use it to go to Portland. I know it goes at least as far north as Vancouver, British Columbia, and probably mm-hmm will go as far south as uh, like LA or something, I would guess, just given where the train line probably goes. Yeah. Uh, started a new line that would add um, additional capacity, uh, like commuter train style capacity going from at least Seattle to Portland. I don't know much more beyond the route on that. Uh, the big thing was that it was going to be a separate train line so that it would never get delayed by um, having to share with like freight trains and other things. Um, the NTSB, the National Transportation Safety Board, is still looking into things, but for reasons heretofore unknown, the train was going 80 miles an hour in a 30 mile an hour curve. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and the train derailed, as one might expect, uh, just physics there. And unfortunately, I think the last thing I saw was like three to five people confirmed dead and uh, many, many more injured. There were something like 70-ish people on board the train. And um, I think people were injured below, but I don't think anybody was killed from uh, the train colliding, you know, train cars colliding. The highway, yeah, yeah. The highway, um, the high five south in that area. It's around DuPont, Washington, which for those driving at home, um, that would be between Olympia, Washington, which is our state capital, and Tacoma, which is uh, far south of Seattle, but um, it's the other major port in this area. So kind of gives you an area there. Interesting. 
interesting stuff. Yeah. Kind of like a, that movie about the move, the train um, unstoppable or something, right? Same sort of scenario. Yeah. Anywho. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I heard about it. I think I saw Mac Jeannie tweet about it. She lives out in Portland, I think, right? And then uh, and then you tweeted something on Facebook and one of the social networks about the fact that you're okay kind of thing, which I kind of caught me off guard. Yeah. yeah I mean, it, it pops up. So, like, the technology aspect of this is that people use Twitter and uh, people start yeah. asking me on, on Facebook and other social media. And I say, well, Facebook has this, like, I'm okay sort of thing because uh, even though I'm in the region, because if you're outside, you just hear, you know, in Washington state. And if you're elsewhere in the country, they probably said near Seattle and, and heading to Portland. And people know that I traveled to Portland to go visit uh, uh, mm. the headquarters for, for simple. And so it sort of seemed natural to use uh, Facebook's feature for this to be like, yo, yo, I'm, I'm okay. I was not on that train and, and neither was anybody that I know of, um, thankfully. So yeah, I didn't, I didn't realize it. I mean, the bit of information you're giving us here is that there was a new line. So yes. that kind of yes. makes sense that maybe the, you know, you kind of wonder like engineers seem to sort of know what they're doing most of the time. I mean, train engineers, that is, um, you know, so it's, I guess it's uh, not surprising if it's a new line and they're maybe not that familiar with all the signals and stuff and the, and the train. Um, all right. So anyway, so we got some Ask MTJC that I posted actually um, was, I was following this tweet by John Sundel. I don't know when I started following him, but he posted a trick here using uh, um PO, which is I forget what PO stands for, but it's so you know you break your break your uh, your app when it's running in and in the console you can type in PO and then any number of things and so he was his trick is that you can find out things that are happening in the UI by in this example uh, using XC test um, framework I guess to do testing on buttons and things like that. So he typed in you know PO XU application table buttons and it start, it walks through the hierarchy and sort of points out where all the elements are uh, in your hierarchy. So it's very useful to sort of debug things that might be happening with your buttons and things like that. So kind of a neat little trick here. Um, and I'll post a link to that in the show notes. Yeah, I think I, I can hear Greg screaming right now at the, uh, isn't the PO, doesn't it stand for print object, I think? Yeah. Okay, yeah. awesome. Yeah. Here you go, Greg. Um, all right, so back to the show. What do we got next? Oh, so seeing an idea from um, Spotcast, uh, I mentioned in episode 174 at 46 minutes and 30 seconds, I mentioned the Canadian Senate and how it's uh, basically, I believed at the time that, uh, that the senators are posted, it's a position for life, um, but you can only hold the seat to the age of 75. And it's not appointed by the uh, prime minister, but appointed by the governor general on the advice from the prime minister. And our Senate is based on the British House of Lords, not the Roman Senate, as I said, which may in fact still be the case. But um, And the reason why there was a uh, British North America Act in 1965 that basically said that senators can't, you know, even though they're senators for life, they can't reasonably hold a position past the age of 75, which makes sense, right? I think you guys mentioned there was one particular Senator Stroman? Stroman? Um, Strom Thurmond, I mentioned, who Strom Thurman, got re-elected yeah. so many times that he, he was well into his 80s, I think, probably 90s, I think I said that uh, until he, he passed away. I don't recall if he retired or, or died in office. But a right. quick clarification. So we had mentioned on that show that the United States Senate is specifically uh, capped at 100 uh, members where each state, 50 states in all, have two uh, representatives. Is there not, not a specific number for Canada? Um, like, like, is it the same, assuming they haven't died along the way, right? Like, is it still the same people from like 1965 who could still reasonably be alive? <laughs> well, like yeah, I, I, I suppose so. Yeah, I, I, that, that is the thing about our Senate is, is 
is that they do they can tend to get long in the tooth, which is why I think they, they institute, instituted that 75 rule. But yeah, it could be the same bunch of guys. But I, I do know that we change senators over time. Um, you know, so I can't really think of any off the top of my head. But but there's sort of that same sort of um, idea why you have the House of Representatives and um, and uh, the Senate. In your in your case, is that there's sort of the they're, they're the checks and balances for each other, right? Mm-hmm. Um, how how decisions are made. But anyway, that's cool. It was that was probably in the in the after show we were talking about the Senate, right? Um, now that I think about it. Anyway, so in follow up, um, I posted a link here about uh, the iMac Pro, and this is going to become an interesting um, point when we get down into one of our main topics today. But uh, what's interesting about the iMac Pro, it turns out, is it's very much like an iPad from the way it's constructed. In that the logic board's all in one. There's no CMOS battery. There's no like like I find that with my, my Touch Bar Max at the office that if your battery is running low and you know you put it to sleep overnight and you come back in the morning, it's basically like it, you get the, the flashing battery signal like you do on an iPad, and it doesn't remember anything. It's it, when you wake it back up again, it sets itself to December 31st, 2016. So if you know if you have any sort of network services that rely on the time, any security settings in my case, all that stuff doesn't work until you reset your clock because the computer, when it runs out of battery juice, it's like it's got one battery that kind of rules everything. And and one other complaint I have about the Touch Bar, Touch Bar Max is that they, the batteries in them are really bad, at, especially over the weekend and stuff like that. I find it's better to shut the computer down than to put it to sleep because unlike previous Macs, it seemed to be better at manage, battery management. Actually, now that's the second point that's coming up that might fit into this uh, particular story. But what I'm talking about the Mac, iMac Pro in particular is there is a DFU mode that it can get into to. And uh, the word on the street is that if your iMac Pro gets into that position where it gets into DFU mode and you have you have to restore it basically. And there's, there's and it's like, there's no way to restore it. There's no facility to get the thing up. It's like you've got a bricked Mac that you've just spent, you know, close to $10,000 for if you think about it, if you configure them. Um, so uh, there's a post here from Apple. I think I saw it on social networks today that you can use Apple Configurator 2.6, which is something we talked about before for if you want to do sort of a, a roll your own device management, um, you can use Apple Configurator to set up your iPads and your your Macs and all that kind of stuff and sort of have a sort of mini way of managing them. But you can use the uh, Apple Configurator 2.6 to restore your iMac Pro, provided you've made a, you know, a recoverable backup on another machine that runs iSierra and so on and so forth. So just uh, I'll link that in the show notes there for people who are thinking about um, one of the things that people are saying is sort of kind of bad, and there's my air quotes, I'm actually holding my hands up for Tammy's sake, um, about the, uh, about the my iMac Pro. That's kind of, and I'm, I'm I'm alluding to the fact that they're kind of constructed in the same way as the as the iPad iOS model, where you know basically the everything's sort of in one chunk of hardware kind of thing, right? So, uh, any thoughts on that before we move on? Questions, concerns? Definitely. No, but it sounds like the kind of thing to uh, to bookmark in case I run into this problem. Yeah, yeah. Shoot, shoot. I just want to know who's going to buy me an iMac Pro. Just... Well, you have a way of sorting that out, so, which moves me on to my next question. Here was when we last left Tammy Coron in the you know um, I don't know what you call it, the, the environs of West Tennessee there, um, you weren't going to get an iPhone 10. And then you got a you got a job and the job required that you get an iPhone 10. So now kicking and screaming, you've, you've come into the into the 10th anniversary for iPhone. So what do you what do you think about it now that you've had it for a bit? All right. When I first took it out of the box, I was like, oh, no, this is not going <laughs> to work. You have to understand, I came from, my progression was a four to a five to a seven, back to a six, then to a seven again, and then to it now a 10. And I, I took it out of the box. I'm like this, these gestures, this, 
this interface, I was not feeling it. And it locked up on me several times. I mean, like, you know, I, I, I was trying to do a text message and it just like blew me out of the app. I'm like, really? And it continually gets stuck in landscape mode, which is frustrating. Um, you know, but when I first opened it, I was, what did I say? Like a three out of a 10. Um, I've been using it for about a week and a half now. I've been programming for it. And I have to say that after using it for a while, I'm, I'm up at a, from a three to a five, <laughs> but I'm still not feeling it. And I thought, okay, I, I got my case. I got my tempered glass screen. As soon as that comes in, I'm going to be like, yeah, iPhone 10. I'm still not feeling it. I mean, it's cool. I like it. But if I had a choice, I'd go back to my seven. Or would you go to an eight though? Well, okay. Yeah. I might go to an eight. If I had the money for an eight, go to the eight. Right. Right. Well, I mean, the, the stats tell us that this is trending upwards for Tammy. And I think just over time, she'll get used to at least, the, you know, the the rougher edges. And certainly as new versions of iOS come out that fix whatever weirdo problems you're running into. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but for a thousand dollars out of the box, no, I, 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 you I would don't, think I, you'd be like, wow, this is so cool. But no, I was more like, eh, really? So I think <laughs> this is one of those cases where it probably would have behooved them to separate iOS 11 from the 10 launch because um, I'm guessing it's related to that. I've, I've not encountered these issues, but certainly there have been their, the foibles with iOS that we've we've talked about on this very show in the last you know several weeks. Yeah, I've had some sticky issues with with my 10. Like I I I, I sympathize with Jaime, but or sorry, there I go again, Jaime. <laughs> <laughs> we got to pick our name, I mean, we just I have to. <laughs> like Jalen and Jennifer. Kim Ye. I think, Kim Ye. Uh, <laughs> I think like, uh, like Tammy, um, I have noticed a few things like that where some, like sometimes the, the app locks up. Um, Overcast is one in particular where, you know, I, I regularly listen to podcasts with Overcast and, and I don't know if it's an issue with uh, the audio framework or whatever, but I'll go to start up Overcast and it's like, I'm clicking play and I can see the icons going to play and, yeah, but Tim, and yet I'm not Facebook. hearing anything, right? I'm not hearing yeah. anything. I have to reboot the app. I have to actually kill the app and reboot it. Um, so I have noticed a few things like that on, on the iPhone 10 being particularly weird, but but I would put that down to, to iOS 11. I wouldn't necessarily say it's the, the device, right? No. It's uh, I don't know what it is, and it's, it's definitely not the particular app because, you know, you, you're sitting here mentioning Overcast, and I had yeah. issues with text and issues with Facebook. Yeah, and Typing and know, stuff like that, yeah. Yeah, and, and I need to go on record saying that even though I'm griping about the issues that the the iPhone 10 or iOS 11 or whatever you want to call it mm-hmm. has it's still the better option for me like I would I wouldn't go to another device just because I'm having what I would call growing Transi- transitional issues yeah 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 because you know even though the gestures with the new iPhone 10 or the iOS 11 I I honestly don't know how to to uh, classify it, mm-hmm. even though I'm having those issues, I would call those user issues because I'm coming from the old gesture base. You know, I'm used to doing this to get to that. And when I'm trying to learn these new gestures, I'm aggravated and frustrated because I'm used to the old thing. But yeah. if I were a new iPhone user and I were to pick these things up, I'd be like, oh, that, yeah, yeah, no, yeah, that's how that works. You know, no problem. So I'm cognizant of these things. But at the same time, I'm like, dude, Apple, you're really 
really alienating the group of users that brought you to where you're at now. Like the people who have the at Mac.com addresses, we're all like, what the F, dude? Really? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, you know, Mark and I both admitted on the air that we've, we've had to turn to the manual or, or Google. How do you do this? You know, because things are odd. They're not as, they're not as intuitive, maybe, I guess, as, as they were. But I kind of, I'm, I wonder too, when I say that, that whether we had to do that in the first place with the first bunch of phones too. But um, are I, they not intuitive to the old iPhone users or well, you know, are they it, not it, intuitive? It, and that's the question that I ask because I'm thinking they're not intuitive to the old users, to like you and maybe, me and Mark. Maybe, maybe. I don't think that they're not necessarily intuitive. And that's kind of where I'm struggling with this. Do I give it a five or do I give it an eight? Well, it's funny because I've mentioned before too, I, I have my six plus still, you know, very close to me. It's on my desk right now. And, and, uh, and I do come back to it, but occasionally I'll pick it up and I find myself swiping at the bottom of the screen. Like now my, my muscle memory has already started to transition to the new device. I find, you know, I've been at it for <laughs> since day one, but you know, I, I, I laugh at myself when I do that. Cause like, I'll, I'll you know, I'll, I'll be at the home screen and I'll, and I'll put my finger on the, on the home button or the, yeah, the home button, I forgot what it's called, home button. And I'll See find your... myself swiping up as if, as if that, but then by the same token though, on the iPhone 10, I'll be going to one password and my, my thumb will naturally sit down on the home indicator because I'm thinking, oh, I got to do, you know, I'm one password, got to put my thumb down, you know, kind of thing. So you, yeah. you're definitely not alone in that because I, I you know, I, I gave the six to my, to my boys and I gave yeah. the seven to my husband, which I need for testing. Mm-hmm. And I'll go between the seven and the 10 now. Yeah. And like, I go for that home button on one or I go to the swipe on the other and it's like, oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> so I, again, I think, I think it's a matter of I'm coming from the old world, from the old school and I'm trying to apply the new knowledge and really get off my lawn. That's where I'm at, you know? <laughs> yeah, but what do you think about the screen? I think I think it's a gorgeous oh, phone. Oh, the screen and the camera? Look, man, go on my Twitter. All you're going to find are these really epic pictures of dogs and cats that I've taken with the <laughs> iPhone 10. Right. And if I were to, again, if I were to remove the, the user from the equation, I hate to admit it because, you know, I just gave it a three out of a 10 and then a five out of a 10. But if I were to remove me from the equation, mm-hmm. it's a solid device. Well, maybe the question is, what is the what rating do we give you instead of the phone? Probably a two out of a 10. <laughs> <laughs> but that said, come on now, I am not a proponent of ordering any first year hardware. I think that yeah. when whenever a manufacturer, whether it be Apple or Dell or, or IBM or whoever, whenever a manufacturer is putting out that first year hardware, you need to approach it with a bit of caution because you are basically the the beta testers. I mean, yeah, yeah. granted, these things have gone through beta testing and, and all these things before they release it to the public, but come on, the public really is the true beta testers in sure, this. Sure, well, because of the numbers and economies of scale, right? They, they, can't, yeah. they can't really do the asset test until they put it in front of people who have no prior knowledge of any of this stuff, right? Whereas people at Apple, they're sort of in the know. It's like when we test, test light our, our app, we, we find that, you know, we think, oh, it's great. I love this, this update, whatever. And then we put it in the hands of the users and it's like they're all over us on, on the review sites because they're, they're having issues or they're on the help desk call because of, because of that. It, 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 I had, I had a, a family member come to me not maybe, you know, two weeks ago and say, hey, look, I, I, I'm, I've got this opportunity for an upgrade for, for an iPhone. What do you recommend, the 8 or the 10? And you said the 10, and, right? No, I didn't. I said, <laughs> look, if, if you don't need to upgrade right now, don't. And here's why. Because 
you already have the six or the seven. The eight is just better hardware from what you have. The 10 is first year hardware. And it's, it, you know, yeah. we're really going to see something here. Wait until next year when they come out with the 11 or whatever the heck they're going to call it and get that second year hardware of the 10, because that's where the technology is going to be. Yeah. The, the the eight, it's great if you're on a four or five or whatever, or a six even, get the eight. Don't get the 10. Yeah. But if you're on a seven, dude, just wait. Yeah. wait, well, wait I, don't, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. So so for me, like the thing is that, and Mark, jump in here anytime, but I've had every single phone. I've always had the, the, the very first phone as it came out, like the silverback one. I got one from the States and unlocked it. And then, you know, every iteration, you know, three, 3G, four, four, whatever, I forget what the middle four was, but um, all the way through up until the six plus. And then I kind of changed, you know, my, my role, my position and, it was no longer my money buying the phone, so I had to I had to wait um, had to wait you know a couple of years until I actually could get a, ph- a phone. But for me, the, the the advantage is that because of my position at, at at my day job, I do get to handle the other phones. So while it, I think if I didn't have that opportunity, I'd be really I would really be suffering from FOMO in terms of like not being able to to try the new devices out. And and I know that Jaime and, and Mark have both followed along with each each uh, hardware upgrade, or maybe they've they've leapfrogged like I have. But I you know I've missed the last three phones personally in terms of being able to buy one. And mind you, I bought a seven for Carol, so I kind of sort of didn't get to miss that lately. What, what do you guys think about about following along and the, the trend of being on the bleeding edge of having an iPhone? Well, the, hang on. Does anyone here have an eight? No. Well, I have an eight. I have, I have eights at the office. I had an eight for like a month, right? So Mark, what do you what do you think about this whole progression of the first version of each device? Well, I've generally gone every two years to get a phone, but uh, this time I went from the seven to the 10. I'm pretty happy with it. Mm-hmm. Um, I have at work, I have a seven, an eight, and a 10. And the eight to me doesn't seem any different than my old seven. Uh, so I much prefer the 10. Mm-hmm. And kind of like you, I find myself when I have to go back to the seven or the eight, <laughs> I find myself finding it awkward. Right. Uh, whereas the 10 was awkward for the first week or two. It's now completely natural to me and the old ones seem awkward. Yeah. I mean, what do you think? Yeah. I think Tammy has absolutely spot on advice. Um, and it's advice that I would give people as well that if you want rock solid reliability, you probably want to be on that um, that S model equivalent. Um, and, and in the case you just described, the eight is like an SS, so it sort of makes sense that it would be uh, rock solid. I don't think I've heard you know too much complaints about it. Um, but if you want to be on the bleeding edge, and I think I'd said on the show that I just absolutely wanted the new shiny, that's why I've jumped onto it. So I think it kind of depends yeah. on where you're coming from. Have you guys tried the key charger? I, I bought a key charger from um, from uh, Amazon for like. 15 bucks and I love it. Um, I just, you know, just lay my phone on it whenever I'm not using it and it's charging. So and that would work with the eight as well as the 10. But what, have you guys tried that at all? Or Santa I, promised me one, but then he went back on it. So, oh, Santa. Yeah. Such a bad guy, that Santa guy. You got, I guess you, you haven't tried it at all? Nope. No, no wireless. I think it's Qi, right? QI? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, Qi, 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 whatever. I think it's Qi. Wire, I could be able to charger. <laughs> Somebody will, will, will point it out to me if I've said it incorrectly. But now I understand what you're saying. Yeah, the wireless charger. Yeah, no, yeah, I'm not trying it. Like, Tim says Han Solo, so you can't trust him. Han Solo. It's Han. <laughs> hey, Jimmy, come on, Han Solo. I, I heard Luke say it the other day. It was Han Solo. All right. Um, I think even Kylo Ren says it at one point in the movie. <laughs> Or no, I'm thinking of Force Awakens. All right, so let's move on to our main main topic. So, Mark, you've got a, a scandal du jour for us to cover. Yeah, so at least as of today, which is Wednesday, uh, and this may be old news by the time anyone hears this, but but there's been a controversy brewing the last couple of days about 
about Apple potentially uh, tuning their old phones so they go more slowly in order to convince people to buy new ones. And really, you haven't heard about this? Yeah, there's there's. Well, one no, I didn't. I didn't know about the tuning part. I heard I heard there's some furor about the batteries, right? Yeah. No. Well, people, of course, the the conspiracy theorists were saying Apple was intentionally causing the phones to go slower when they got older. Uh, and some people had some data that actually did show that their phone, mm. their old phones, went slower when they went from one version of the operating system to the next version of the operating system. Well, that's normal. And yeah, and Apple finally came out today with their response. And and yeah, what they're saying is is completely true and makes complete sense that, that when your batteries get older, this is just physics, when the battery gets older, they're less able to produce as much current or power to try right. phone. And this was causing some issues uh, with older phones because at peak times, the battery wouldn't be able to provide enough power to, to drive phone. What Apple came up with was a way of sort of load balancing the amount of the power uh, so that so that it, so that yeah at, at peak times the phone is not quite as fast but you get mm-hmm. overall better performance out of your old phone. Right. So the the problem was though that Apple didn't really tell anybody that they were doing this or they they did tell anyone but not in you know not in so many words they this was not a secret they they announced this a while back uh, but uh, people of course either missed that or misinterpreted that or or believed what they wanted to believe and started making a furor about the fact that Apple is purposely making their old phones not as good in order to you know force people to buy new ones. So so it's all a you know bunch of uh, hullabaloo about really nothing. Uh, yeah, that's comical to be honest with you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I mean, because because you know I I've been a Mac user since 19, 1989 and I noticed that if I take my I, I've always been amazed that you can take older hardware and run new OSs on it. Like you know I can think of every single Mac I've owned has has been able to like I'm currently running High Sierra on my 2013 uh, MacBook Air and I don't expect it to be lickety split like it maybe maybe was when when I think it came out with Yosemite or maybe even Snow Leopard um, when I first got it. Like that's how old it is, right? But um, I don't expect, so far I haven't found very many issues with High Sierra, not like previous ones, but I don't, I wouldn't expect it being that old to be able to run like a lickety split brand new or like, or even like a 2015, 2016 uh, MacBook Pro kind of thing, right? Mm -hmm. Um, This has an i7 processor, so I guess it it can keep up from that point of view. But, But then again, the same thing with the batteries too. I've been noticing that my six plus has been unable to hold a charge um, for the whole day, you know, ever since I got my Apple Watch in particular, but I'm not surprised by that. I mean, I also look at the fact how old it is and, and how much more load, you know, an operating system like iOS 10 and now iOS 11 would put on uh, a device. Plus, you know, constantly using the communi- the Bluetooth communication between the watch and the phone. And then of course, I've got all my radios turned on. I have my Bluetooth turned on. I have my Wi-Fi turned on. You know, it's constantly looking at networks and stuff like that and, you know, checking email every couple of minutes. I don't know why people would expect that that wouldn't, you know, over time degrade the performance, especially as we add in new, new, you know, stronger, better um, OSs, right? Um, would, you, would they rather that, you know, you they stopped having certain features available because it's an older phone, they kind of like put training wheels on it or throttled, thro- I mean, I guess they're complaining that they're throttling the performance, right? Right, right. Yeah. So, I mean, it's it's, it's a trade-off either. Yeah. I mean, admittedly, every year the processors are going to get faster every year you know the price of the device is going to we've seen it go up and up uh, slowly over time but I mean yeah the, the leap from admittedly the leap from 7 to, to the iPhone 10 in terms of price it was a big jump there and that I think part of that is the OLED screen as well right um, and all the new sensors and stuff like that but I, I think it's reasonable to think that over time your devices are going to degrade in terms of their capability right I mean I've got you know machines behind me that are were built in 2009 you know like and, and are still cranking out still running you know still 
still chewing up my electro bill and that kind of stuff, but they're still able to keep up with, admittedly, some things don't work, but they're still able to keep up with, with the current uh, current mix of equipment I have in the house, right? So yeah, I love conspiracies. Yeah, I, I did see that there was some post earlier today about, um, I guess it's in the console about you can get a report on your battery health, um, I guess running with Xcode or something like that. Did you guys see that at all today? I haven't seen that. No? Okay, let's see if we can find it. It was a, one of the Twitter feed about that. I'll dig through my Twitter and see if I can find that. It wasn't It was like sometime mid-afternoon I saw that. All right. Um, what's next? Well, I have something here about uh, Apple revising its guidelines based on uh, template-based apps. Um, and then I think we'll also talk about the confusing thing that was spreading around the interwebs uh, that is not true. So let's let's start with that one maybe sure. um, before we go to the, the article. It'll be in the show notes for those of you driving home. Um, the one that we saw floating around was going to also kill stuff like, you know, Xamarin and React Native and all these other like non-native things, right? Um, it was, at least the one that I saw was a, a, a supposed screenshot of a redacted email from Apple, um, the Apple developer uh, site saying, so and so, you know, by the way, starting, you know, 2019, I think you know, we're going to start, you know, not allowing apps based on, you know, uh, software or a, a software or platform. It, it was like grammatically incorrect. So I'm struggling to remember the exact phrasing. Um, that oh, I, have it, I have it right here, actually. Uh, oh, do you have that? Okay, great. Yeah, we can have that linked in there. So that one is like absolutely not true. So if you're a Xamarin fan, then I guess Ionic or React Native and what's Google's thing, Flutter, uh, as far as we know, as of this recording, uh, you're a-okay for that. So, so there's no worry about that. The thing that was actually done um, was Apple had uh, really cracked down on, on template-based apps. So the sorts of things that your um, your local restaurant might have, or maybe mm. a, a local community, you know, like churches and stuff might have, you know, go to some service provider, drag and drop some stuff, add a data source. Yeah, upload some images. Yeah, upload, yeah, upload the lunch menu, you know, whatever it is that, that these sorts of things do. Make it so that you don't need to be a coder to uh, develop apps. They cracked down really hard on those. Uh, this caused some consternation because there's obviously you know businesses that make their life based on on providing this service, and it's definitely a bummer if you're you know local restaurant in your town. Uh, well, I was going to say USA, but that's not very inclusive, is it? Uh, in, in the world, Springfield, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's been revised yet again, so that uh, the guideline says that if you're going to use those things, um, the actual well, two different paths for you. If you are the actual owner of, let's say, like this restaurant app, uh, you have to submit that. It can't be submitted sort of like on your behalf by the, the templating service. Or the other option is the template providers be like, look, you can have like all of your uh, companies that you're providing service to and have like a picker like, oh, download, you know, Joe Bob's template app and then pick, you know, Seattle, Washington, and then like the local like chicken sandwich place or something, right? Like that. It seems to be that Apple was really trying to crack down on a whole bunch of um, spam, I guess what they considered spam in this case. And they also wanted to not have apps that were a little more than cookie just cutters. Yeah, yeah. Well, cookie cutter, but also they weren't really. I mean, they they are apps. I mean, there is a binary and everything, but they they functionally were no different than like just having like a web page. I think they wanted you to really right. get invested in what iOS has to offer with Core Motion and AR Kit and just pick your your favorite thing. You know, something that makes it more than just like oh, I took my web content and I shoved it into an app wrapper. Mm-hmm. Oh, and uh, we don't have this linked here, but I will mention here as an aside that in uh, section three point 
one payments, 3.1.1 in-app purchase has a new bullet that, oh, I knew this was coming. Um, we talked about the Star Wars Battlefront 2 uh, shenanigans yeah, regarding yeah. loot boxes and how that's causing, you know, governments to start wondering, hmm, is this gambling? Maybe we should do something about this and, and crack down. Uh, that's a video game based thing that has now leaked out into the uh, the app yeah. world. So now oh, yeah. apps offering, quote, loot boxes, end quote, or other mechanisms that provide randomized virtual items for purchase must disclose the odds of receiving each type of item to customers uh-huh. prior to purchase. So Apple's not disallowing loot boxes, to be clear. You can still have them. You just have to disclose the odds of getting that, you know, purple hat, <laughs> for example. Yeah, it's interesting. Like, I, you're, I started playing a game with my nephew, actually, now that you say that. I'm trying to remember what it's called. Um, but yeah, same sort of thing where you, you go to these stores, you go check in every couple of hours, and, and it kind of randomizes what you actually get. Um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with that. Let me see if I can find it here. Tim, you just described like a million No, I know, I know. Are, yes. <laughs> There's so many that are like that. I mean, uh, I mean, my take on it is like freemium is okay. I don't like a lot of freemium things. I choose not to partake in them. But And even loot boxes in and of themselves um, aren't necessarily bad. I think it was the crossing the line aspect that certainly the Star Wars Battlefront 2 um, video game mm-hmm. ran across. And I think in terms of um, not playing on the addictiveness and the the, the dark side of it, no pun side. Of, of, of like the gambling addictive aspects is where I think um, we can be more upfront with consumers, right? And I think it's I think it is fair to say, look, yes, our loot boxes allow you to get like the diamond sword or whatever it is, purple hats, you know, monocle, whatever it is. But we can disclose, like, look, your odds of winning those are basically like winning the lottery. So <laughs> just give us the hundred dollars in that purchase payment, and, and let's be done with this. Yeah, Pocket Camp is the app I was thinking of. Um, it's from Nintendo, actually. But it's the same. Oh, um, this is the the Animal Planet game. Yeah, yeah. Uh, not Animal idea. Planet. Um, Similar idea where you 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 check into a place and you may or may not get a particular thing, right? Um, I apologize. Animal Crossing is Animal the game. Crossing, yeah, yeah, Pocket Camp. Yeah. So it's a pro- it's a pocket version of that game, right? So yeah, I'm just trying to find this. Uh... So I linked in in the show notes there um, the the um, letter you were talking about, Jaime, but the, the the fake letter. If you want to read the block of copy while I'm scrolling. Oh yeah, early 2019, new apps created from a software or platform like quote Xamarin, PhoneGap, AppCelerator, Trillion quote will be rejected. Right. Yeah, that, this is the one that I saw floating around the internet. Yeah, I find that hard to hard to believe because there's so many you know platforms that like use that same sort of. Um, I think they use web tools and things like that to web languages to build apps and convert them into binary for um, iOS. Right. Yeah. I mean, I can. I think it played into people's fears of oh, Apple is cracking down and like by golly, everything is going to be swift and by golly, everything is going to be you know UI kit based stuff and get your your lousy JavaScript based or your C sharp based or whatever it oh, is basically non native yeah. thing. Get it out of here. I could see them doing that like if Steve Jobs was still around because that was sort of like his thing, mm-hmm. you know, grudgingly mm-hmm. uh, allowing things to be more open. But it's a much more open Apple, and I, I really didn't believe it to begin with. And when I read the copy and said, "This is there's no way. This is grammatically incorrect. There's there's zero chance that this went out to somebody." Sure. Or a marker. Can you think about this cookie cutter idea? Well, it seems like Apple's been talking or doing this kind of thing for a long time, right? There there used to be apps in the store that were just you know carbon copies of each other, but with a slightly different thing. And Apple cracked down on that, right? So so yeah. they're they they've always had kind of a general trend against this uh, mass production type of app, if you will. So I think it's nothing really new. It's just the same kind of thing, just uh, maybe a little twist on it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I was thinking about it earlier today, oddly enough, and I'm in two minds about the whole thing. Like I can see Apple wanting 
to crack down on the cookie cutter stuff and let's clean up the app store. But at the same time, not only are they kind of cutting out the the smaller developer house who's offering solutions to their clientele, they're also they're also cutting out a large portion of smaller businesses. Like, you know, I was just contacted by a business who wanted to do a particular thing and I'm thinking, it's going to cost you a lot of money for me to do that when you can just go out and, you know, for a whole lot less money, do this. But now that this is not an option to them. And I don't know, I just, you know, I, I see where Apple's coming from, but at the same time, I just, I feel bad for the smaller businesses who just can't afford a developer to make something different. And it's ironic too, because Apple had a whole product line, whether they call themselves Apple or Claris or even FileMaker at different points in their life, um, where they had tools like Bento and FileMaker Pro, which allowed you to buy a template and build an app that would, you know, run your business, right? Whether it was a storefront or inventory or what have you. And Apple was all behind that. And it was great revenue for uh, FileMaker or Bento developers to build things for people. But that was that was their shtick. Like they, you know, I guess that was sort of a, a you know, a 2000s or 90s thing to sort of have these sort of templated experiences where you could, you know, like with whether it was a Microsoft from the Microsoft camp or from the FileMaker people, um, which then became Bento, which Bento was actually, I think, originally on the uh, iPad when it first came out, right? Um, but people could build, you know, tools for, like like you said, for businesses to use, right? But, you know, this isn't preventing that kind of thing. And and it's not preventing a third a developer service from building an app or it's not preventing any of that. It's not even preventing them from using a templating engine to build the app. It's just saying that if that happens, the individual business has to have their own Yeah, they should be the publisher. On the app store, yeah. Yeah, and they should be the publisher. You know, frankly, yeah. if if a if a company can't afford ninety nine dollars a year, <laughs> then they probably shouldn't be having an app in the app store anyway, right? So, sure, sure. Uh, I, I don't see this as that big of a deal, personally. Mm. I don't know. I think this is just one more thing in the list of things that is causing me, as a developer and a consumer, to be like, I don't know. Apple is just not where they were five, ten, whatever years ago. You know. And and there's a big disclaimer here that says, you know, Apple, in my opinion, is still the best that there is. So I, I just want to put that out there and say that even though that I've got issues with recently how Apple is doing things, I mean, the, the Xcode is a mess right now. My experience with the iPhone 10 is a mess right now. That's not to mm-hmm. say that Apple's not the best game in town. They absolutely are. That's that's my opinion, that they're the best game in town. But that aside, what's going on, guys, at Apple? Come on. I mean... <laughs> you are turning out Steve Jobs is like he's going to rise from the dead and he will be my patient number zero if things continue the way that they're going get it together mm. I think that's part, part of that part and parcel of um, of their growth I mean they're they're become a mega company right unfortunately you know being part of part of the problem of being number one is you have to run like you're a big company and you know because they have to run like the, the biggest company in the world right now right and I think that things are going to fall through the cracks and we do get upset about you know, their quality quality control and it seems to be slipping but you know like you said that's uh be honest with you i don't find xcode to be that much of a mess to be honest with you i'm you know and i'm currently going through the process of you know uh updating a lot of my apps for iphone 10 because the layout's different and i am i'm actually having a problem with you know i just had a problem today with the mv volume control which is what displays the um airplay icon when you have an app that that, pres- that presents media to people and you want they, you want to give them the option to be able to send it over to another device like a tv or whatever, right? 
or a, a boombox. But um, and it, it's just it was I was holding it wrong, you know. I was it was it was it was uh, how I was dealing with it in you know um, iOS seven and iOS eight worked, but how I was doing it in nine and ten, and now the difference in what the issue I was having today was that it would lay out fine on an iPhone six or sorry on iPhone like an iPhone plus size, right? Like um, because it's based on that same aspect ratio that we've had uh, since the iPhone five came out. The iPhone ten is you know narrower and taller, so the coordinate system is a little longer and how you lay it. And I was using auto layout to set it up, and it was just a matter of I was setting it wrong in it's as a sub view of another view, but I had to change how I thought about it because of the iPhone ten. I didn't have to like like back in the day we would have gone and changed the frame and you know figured out what device we were on and kind of thing. And so it's just I had to change my mindset, Tammy, in terms of how I would use auto layout to properly place the item on the screen so that it would work across multiple See, devices. Or different and devices. that's the thing. That's that's why I can't sit here and, and say definitively, oh, Apple has gone to, to terrible things and I'm never using that. It's not that. It's the user. It's me. And I understand that, you know, I'm coming from the old world where we had, you know, IB Interface Builder was separate from the code that we were working with. And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Apple is making things that are absolutely incredible. You know, I've been playing with ARKit for a little while now, and I'm just, I'm in shock and awe at the things that they're doing. But at the same time, there's that that old Tammy that's sitting there going, well, I don't know why they did that way. (laughs) Get off my lawn, right? I mean, it all goes back to get off my lawn. And I just, I don't don't have an answer. And I, I hate bringing a problem up without having at least one potential solution. But I guess I guess the sure. solution here is I just have to go with the flow and I have to let go of how I'm already thinking and embrace the new stuff. Mm-hmm. Because again, they really are the best kids on the block. I, I, there's there's no other, I, I, I don't know, they're the best ones. Yeah. yeah. And, and you know, it seems to me that, that people have been saying that Apple's not as good as it used to be forever. Yeah. Uh, I remember when, for example, Xcode 4 came out years ago and it was a mess and everyone said, oh, Apple's quality control, it's not as good as it used to be. And Docs now, and blah, blah, blah. And mm-hmm. the iPhone 4 came out. And, oh, they had, their their quality control was bad and they had a bad design. Remember Auto Layout 1? Oh, God, it was Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and you know what? I, I remember <laughs> the uh, the first G3 Max, right? With the first yeah. Power Max back yeah. in the 90s. Oh, Apple's not as good as it used to be. It's, I mean, every single year, every time that Apple comes up with something new, people complain that it's not as I'm hanging on to my Quadra 650 because it works the way I want it to. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I'm just afraid that this, you know, this supposed golden age of Apple that that people miss and and, uh, long for uh, was never really that golden. I mean, it's always been this way. You know, it's it's funny, a friend of mine posted today, he worked for Next and he posted that today is the anniversary of when Apple and Next, uh, when Apple bought Next, right? Mm. And he was like, wait, isn't Apple the company that's going out of business, you know, right? Like at that time, if you remember, right, Apple right. was on the right. on the auction block, right? And uh, they, you know, they turned around, and and it was kind of like the guys from Next thought that they were coming to rescue Apple, kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's just, yeah, you're right. It's the same story. We've been all along, you know, Apple's been been taking the kicking for yeah. from either from inside and from outside, right? So remember system, remember System Seven? Oh, of course I do. Yeah, that that thing wouldn't run for more than ten minutes without crashing, <laughs> without <laughs> crashing your Mac. Oh, I've even talked about System Six when we remember the multi finder on the yeah you couldn't, you couldn't run multi finder because if you ran more than two apps
collapse at a time it would crash, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so we had, we had a whole bunch of utilities like Inits and CDEVs. Remember those? I used to have to, uh, I had a CDEV that would run, uh, let me do things like change name f- uh, folders and move things in the finder without having to go to the finder, right? Mm. <laughs> yeah, uh, we had, we had. I mean, you you want to talk about uh, jury rigging um, the OS back then. That was, we don't do anything like that now, you know? Mm-hmm. System 6 was, was all, had all kinds of things. And then 7, you're right, 7 was a, was a hot mess as well for a while. Yeah, yeah. 7.5, I think, was the one stable. 7.5 was okay, yeah. And 8 was actually pretty good. Yeah, yeah. 8 was when they were starting, to, 8 was when, the, when the, the boat was sinking and they were starting to move to that Aaron and Rhapsody and Open Dock. Remember Open Dock? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Cyber Dog. The road is littered with uh, Apple uh, Apple ideas, right? Anyway. And remember, okay. when, uh, remember when they took the floppy drive out, how the world was going to end? <laughs> yeah, that's true. that's true. Oh, and then the CD-ROM <laughs> was gone. Oh, the world was, en- was ending again. And then the headphone jack was gone. The world was ending again. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. the sky it's, is falling. It's always the same. Always the same. True. We're all true. All right. Yeah. So, Hami, why don't you save us with your next story, which we've talked about on the show a number of times. I want to point out before you get into it. Go ahead. Oh yeah. Um, I think in our in our chat, Greg was was calling it UX Kit because that was the last name that we'd heard rumored for this. Uh, I'm talking about a report by uh, Mark Gurman over at Bloomberg mm-hmm. claiming that uh, starting as early as next year, software developers will be able to design a single application that works with a touchscreen or mouse and trackpad, depending on whether it's running on the iPhone, an iPad operating system, or on Mac hardware, according to people familiar with the matter, is the quick So thing. this is like Metro for Mac? <laughs> so that immediately brought a lot of people uh, out of the woodwork. Uh, pick your place, <laughs> Ars Technica slash dot, uh, Hacker News, the, the Twitter machine. Um, people are like, oh my God, look, it doesn't work. And pointing to Microsoft's um, horrible failure trying to do this with uh, Metro mm-hmm. in the Windows 8 timeframe, where the, the design didn't work for touchscreens, nor did it work for um, mouse and keyboard. And right. uh, I would point out that I think they've probably gotten it right, though, since since subsequent subsequent to that, right? They have, they've improved um, in, in multiple versions of Windows 10. Um, as far as I can tell, I'm, I'm not a Windows 10 user, so I can't proclaim firsthand usage of this, but I don't hear people complaining about that anymore from the Windows world. Mm-hmm. Now, now, did they prove this story as an, an accurate, truthful story? Because I heard rumors that they were just rumors and not true, so I don't know what to believe. Yeah, and that's fair because um, although Mark Gurman uh, built up quite the reputation, I would say for the last year, maybe year and a half, his record has been rather spotty and probably no better than flipping a coin if we're if we're being quite frank. Your mileage may vary on this one. Um, so I don't know if it's true, but let's pretend that it is in some way. And we don't know what that is because it's it's not WWDC and we haven't seen what Apple is, is telling us. On the face of it, it makes a lot of sense to me to make things closer at the very least, just like the way that, that tvOS with its basis in iOS is a lot closer to building an iOS app and you can share a lot more with an iOS app than you could with, let's say, like a Mac app. Um, I, I could see things like, you know, even just simple things like I would like to have an image and shove it onto the screen. Well, the differences alone between NS image view and UI image view make you have to go, all right, well, let me add a little macro here. If I'm running on Mac, do this. If I'm running on iOS, do that. And that's not a huge hurdle, but there's many of those small little stones that you can step on that um, I think would be nice if Apple had something that was a little bit more unified. I don't think you that's know, to me that like Adobe Photoshop is like, oh yeah, just dump all this crap we've been building for the last 20 years and let's move to this. I think it would be more for apps that are like, look, we would love to offer uh, in either direction. Either we have a Mac app and we, uh, uh, hopefully newer Mac app that we would like to also offer on the touchscreen devices, or we have an iOS or tvOS app that we would love to offer on the desktop, but it's really not worth the pain and effort to, to jump through those hoops. And if we were going to do it, we would just use something lame like Electron anyway. Mm-hmm. I think that's you know, what this is 
targeted towards. It, being the odd man out here, I, I'm I'm usually in the minority on operating systems and phones and things of that nature, but I've had the opportunity to use a particular application, which will be my pick this week, both on the Mac and on the iOS. And they are literally a one-for-one copy. Mm. They they work identical. And I use my desktop, my, my laptop, my PC, whatever, differently than I use my tablet device. Right. And to unify the two, to me, seems absolutely ludicrous from a user standpoint. And again, I, I totally get that I'm in the minority here. And again, it's it's the old me with the at Mac.com address versus the new me with the iCloud.com or whatever they're even calling it now. I get that it's it's a get off my lawn kind of a thing. But I don't know about you guys. I totally use my tablet differently than yeah. I use my desktop. And I, I can't see this whole unification being successful. Maybe I'm old. Maybe it's time for me to step down and just well, seriously get off I, my lawn. I don't think it's a matter. I don't think it's, it's how, how you use your apps is, is what this discussion is about. I think what what's really happening here, and Mark can probably back me up here too, I think, is that I think we're talking about, we've talked about whether the Mac could run on the A series processors like the A7, A11, whatever we're using on iOS, or whether or not parts of iOS can come into running on a Mac. And that's kind of sort of what we talked about. And it's also about the future of AppKit versus UIKit, right? Uh, or yeah, UIKit. Um, because, you know, a lot of energy has been put, being put into iOS. Um, the app market is healthier on iOS in terms of the number of developers and number of people wanting to write apps for iOS. And the Mac is suffering because the Mac, you know, the Mac store gets it, it gets criticism. I don't think that there's a lar- as large an audience of, of developers writing for the Mac. I may be wrong, but I don't think there is, right? No, you're right. If, if we're talking strictly from a developer point of view, Mac and iOS and tvOS, all, all that stuff should be combined. I mean, there's no reason why a developer shouldn't, if you know one, work on all of them and, and make it out for all of them. But from a user standpoint, I use them differently. Why would you think that people wouldn't want to run certain iOS apps on there? Why would you want to touch 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 screen on your Mac, right? Yeah, well, I'm telling you, when we get to my pick, I'm I'm using an app that literally is a one-to-one yeah, no, I get, translation. I get, that, I get that. I mean, and that, and that would be cool because I, I mean, I have, I have, I have yeah, all the Photoshop's no, on my on my iPads, and they're nothing like Photoshop on the Mac. And yeah, no, 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 but no, this I'm telling okay, well, you, this let one. Me, let is me finish like, my point about about the 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 merger of Mac and, and iOS because because there's also the hardware there's the hardware side is one thing too right because right now the the I mean the Mac has a lot more power than an iOS or a handheld device ever could because you can put in larger batteries you can have larger screens you can you know um, but you can start to merge some of the ideas like like how like maybe there's going to be an iOS for like an, an iOS operating system that runs on the Macintosh hardware right maybe that's where this sort of combined um, thought is going because I mean um, how UI kit and and all the core frameworks and all that kind of stuff and even the lower than than that level of forget, the, the underlying stuff that runs underneath all the core OS or core audio and core animation and all that kind of stuff that could all that could translate into because it's a matter of changing the hardware if you will right that, that it runs on and maybe the kernels are different because they're both running Unix they're both running that same kind of the file system and that kind of stuff and so you know the metaphors are how you how you um, like you know you can't really they don't really want us to have a keyboard on the thing I mean look at surf 
Surface, for instance. Surface is very close. It's actually running Windows, if I'm not mistaken, right? What do you think, Mark, about the, the combining of the hardware and the OSs to, into one sort of unified... Oh, um, everything, not everything, but a lot of stuff is running on Bitcode now, right? Which is right. platform independent. So I think they've been moving in this direction. Obviously, there's different usage metaphors. I mean, we don't have touchscreens on the Mac and we don't have mice on the, on right. the uh, phone. But I, I don't see why it's unreasonable at all for a developer with a, with a, to be able to, with a small amount of effort, offer their app on the iPhone, the Mac, the, the tvOS, and whatever. Who knows? And even the phone, maybe. It's a, I mean, I'm the, the, the watch at some point. Right. Uh, it, it's not unreasonable at all. And things have been, we've been talking about this for at least a couple of years, that things have been oh, edited. Even that before direction. that. Yeah. Certainly. Core data <laughs> yeah. Certainly the, the pro iPads with the pencil are acting more and more like desktops every day. Right. Uh, and, uh, you know, there there's a, a blurred line now. It's not, they're not, a, there's not a strong distinction between the two. So it makes a lot of sense. It makes complete sense. Yeah. I don't think it's, a, I think I, when I joked about Metro, Metro was sort of an environment, like almost like an app within Windows environment that let you run those kind of apps, right? But I think that what I'm thinking is that there'll be sort of a, a, a melding of the, of the two camps, you know, like in terms, in terms of what hardware is, is applied. And I mean, you know, you can do way more if you're running off electrical power than you can running off a battery, right? Like we already talked about that, right? Like if the power source is always consistent, uh, then the hardware can always be reliable and so on and so forth, right? So um, notwithstanding laptops, they're all running off batteries anyway, but like like a Mac Pro or an iMac Pro, they're kind of, they, they've got the benefit of being able to have, you know, more power given to them, larger screens, you know, more more physical size as well, right? Um, so I think that, that you know, we've talked about this on the show before about, about the fact that when is the Mac going to be go away and be replaced by iOS or, or when did the two meet together in the middle, right? Yeah, and it's a matter I, of time. I like the, right? Ma- the Mac is not going to go away anytime in the near future. No. I just think that it, it already, right, already uh, iOS and tvOS are, are 95% the same, right? Yeah. Mac OS 10 and iOS are, let, let's say, I, I'm putting this number out of nowhere, but 85 to 90% same already. Hmm. It's, okay. it's just, they're just different metaphors of, of display and, and interaction. Mm-hmm. And why can't they be bridged? I think they can be bridged. There may even be automated code that will say, if you write it for one, it will it will just magically work on the other. So Not explain to me again, that you mentioned bit code earlier, like about the fact that it, that it's like, I always think of Unix from the point of view of there's a kernel that is the interface between the hardware and the operating system. But how does Bitcode sort of change that or enhance it? Oh, because the your app isn't compiled all the way down to assembler code anymore. Okay. It's it's compiled down to this intermediate level code right. that can run on various different architectures was, is how it's used right now. So so if you go from, you know, like, a, you know, there's there's only ARM64 now, but it used to be if there was a ARM6 or and you went to ARM7, you'd have to rebuild for the different architecture and you right. don't need to do that anymore because the, the bit code is should be the same. Uh, now it, it doesn't apply yet to ARM versus Intel devices, but right, right. But who says that the next generation Macs are going to be on Intel devices? They could be on on. Uh, They'll be on PowerPC forever. How could they possibly be on Intel? Well, right, right. I mean, do, you know the 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 chips that Apple's putting out right now, which are all ARM based, are, are getting pretty powerful. So it's it's not unreasonable to think that that a future Mac will be based on one of those chips and then and then it'll mm-hmm. be very similar architecture to what's on the iPhone so it's not unreasonable at all to think that the apps could could run on either platform now again they have to they have to figure out how to get around the the interaction mechanisms because a mouse and a touchscreen are are different uh, but yeah. they're not that different 
from a software point of view. Well, we also got the touch pads, like the magic track or the track pads yeah. on, on yeah. the iOS on devices. The and now we have the touch bar as well, right? Right, right. So yeah, I mean, in theory, a trackpad on a Mac could work in a, you know, in a mode similar to how accessibility works on the phone now where you touch your trackpad and you see your iOS-ish app, right? It's mm-hmm. running on the Mac and you touch your trackpad and you just see a touch show up on the screen mm-hmm. uh, and that represents where you're touching on the trackpad and, and it acts as if you're touching the screen. Well, how, how different uh, is this than how we do now in the simulator? Because we run simulator runs on, on x86 architecture, right? Yeah, uh, it, it's similar. I mean, I would argue that the that the simulator is is still kind of awkward for yeah. touch-based things. Like, try to do pinch, yeah, pinch zoom, zoom in any yeah. kind of reasonable way on the simulator. It doesn't really... I mean, it sort of works. You can kind of get the idea, but it doesn't really work well. Well, I haven't tried my, my Magic Trackpad, but can you not do pinch and zoom and stuff like that on... on Because you can do gestures on the Mac with the trackpad, right? Yeah, you can you can sort of do pinch and zoom, but the problem is that... But not gestures and you, stuff. You can't... It's, it's very hard to move the, the centroid of the pinch mm. on the trackpad. So uh, so it doesn't really quite work as well as you might hope. Right, right. I mean, you've been quiet. Well, uh, I think these are all very good points. I want to come back to something that, that, that Tammy brought up is uh, I have access to the show notes so <laughs> I can peek ahead at spoilers and say like, oh, which app is she talking about? Um, it's not an app I'm familiar with, but just looking at their um, their their page here, I can tell that um, they probably put a lot of time and effort to make it feel seamless across the Mac and iOS experience, uh, getting to what Tammy brought up. And I think there will always you know, continue to be that sort of um, effort that would need to be there, even even if this, um, let's just go ahead and call it UX kit for just for lack of a better term, even if this UX kit thing exists, um, I think it will be geared more towards um, you can get something that works reasonably well across devices, similar to the way that size classes sort of make it like, well, you can have this iPhone app sort of blow up to become an iPad app or shrink down from an iPad to be more of a, an iPhone app uh, without too much uh, you know, pain and effort. It does mean that you don't have an optimized experience for either one, right? Or, or at least you're you're choosing to optimize for one and the other one, it, it sort of works in without much effort, great, move along with your life. I think that's what this would be more for. Not something as uh, highly polished from what I can tell uh, for, for Tammy's pick here, but more of a like, look, I, I need like a basic notes app and I sure would love to make it available for Mac, but I'm not going to go learn app kit, right? I'm, I'm right, happy right. with UI kit and I could use something that's kind of like UI kit, but I'm not going to go learn app kit and like learn how, um, I don't know, what is it? Uh, is it NS table view? I think is yeah. the equivalent and it worked like completely differently, uh, except for when you kind of squint at it, it doesn't work at all like UI table view. Um, I think that's but what then, But then app kit has bindings, which we don't have on, on, IO, on iOS, which is kind of cool. Yeah. And it, bindings would be kind of nice to bring over. So I, I can see some place for this, but I can also see um, that if you want like a truly like great or very seamless experience, you're probably going to want to continue to do things the way you do today. And that's that's sort of what I assume is happening with the, the Mac mm-hmm. and iOS app that, that Tammy has here for her, her pick. Yeah, and I think it depends. The metaphor lends itself well to the to her pick again. We should get to that pick in a minute, but sorry, folks. But I think it's different when you're talking about like a spreadsheet or I mean, word processors are word processors too. I mean, they can be they can be universal. And my guinea pig app is Device Tracker, as we've talked about on the show before. But the reason I went with Core Data back in, in iOS, I forget when it was four, and it was uh, 10.5, which I think was Tiger. The reason I went with Core Data was because that was the promise. Core Data had just come over from Mac to iOS. And the idea was that I could use the same Core Data framework on both platforms. So I've been thinking about building an app that or building apps that would you know be, be comparative on both platforms, right? And you know now that we also have this this uh, iCloud Drive thing, you know, uh, which we can access the same data 
data source on our uh, iOS devices, we can on files and all that kind of stuff on iOS and, and Mac. It, it is kind of like the, a matter of time before you know the two worlds meet, as it were, right? Yeah. Um, and where they're going to meet is at Apple, right? And if so. if you're developing your apps with a fairly strict separation between your models and your views, which you, you should be doing, right? Yeah. Then it's not unreasonable to think that your entire model layer and all your business logic uh, could just map over directly with zero changes. Uh, mm-hmm. And just like you have multiple targets now, or you know, for, for various variations of your app in Xcode, you could have a a uh, you know one storyboard for the Mac and one storyboard for the right. for the iPhone, and you know, 90 percent of your app under the hood is exactly the same. It's just the the interaction layer with the views changes a little bit. Sure, and, and we it, we did that originally when the iPad first came out because we used to have two separate app delegates and right. two separate yeah. you know yep. uh, UIs for for each one. Right. Yep. Now it's all the same with size classes and model layout and right, right. all that kind of traits and so on and so forth. Yeah. So, so I, I don't think this is so science fiction. I mean, I think this is, this is a real, could be a real thing and could be a really cool thing actually. Yeah. 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 For sure. I mean, I, well, as soon as I heard it, I think, oh, okay, great. I don't have to, don't have to put all that extra energy into building my app specifically for Mac. If I can, right. if in a few years or six months or whatever, next WWDC, knock on wood, um, we actually were able to get to that point where you could take your apps and port them over, you know, from one platform to the other. Um, not every app that I've built, I would do that with, but yeah, some of them, sure. Yeah. Um, okay. What is okay. Canadian Christmas, Tim? Is that uh, we like have it in October. Or? We've already had our Christmas. Wait, what? No. That's, wait, isn't that Boxing Day? Stop it. Double blonde here. Come on, knock it off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, we we, uh, we have our uh, our traditional poutine uh, uh, circle, and, you know, we, we slaughter the fish on the big piece of wood outside in front. I want to know what... Okay, I want to know what Boxing Day is. I mean, like, do you all just get together and beat the crap out of each other? Boxing... Or? Oh, you guys don't have guys don't do boxing day no no i picture a bunch of canadians beating the shit out of each other with okay so, so despite its name that sounds like it would involve pugilism or antagonism of Wait, something. so you guys don't have you right? guys don't have an extra day after christmas <laughs> no no, no man. Wow. we got christmas we eve and christmas and then Chris, new year's eve oh, okay. and well, new well, year's we never used to have we used, we never used to have black friday or, or cyber monday but now we've we've adopted we've stolen that from you right i'll be guys don't want it back or somebody's going to build a wall doing no it you should totally take no, it no Tim we had a hard separation with England we took their stuff and we tossed it out the damn window and we locked the door <laughs> into the bay and along with the extra use in your damn language <laughs> into the bay in Boston right in Boston Harbor um, anyway so well so here it is okay so so the idea was that that the rich folks and of course people can yell at their phones I don't care we can we'll do a fact check next week but or two weeks from now the rich folks would would get their presents and the stuff that they didn't want, like that they, you know, they kind of got the, eh, I don't want, really want this present. They would put it in boxes and they would give it to the help on Boxing Day. That's horrible. But that's where Boxing Day comes from. It's kind of like you take, it used to be the day when you took all your stuff back to the stores. But then, of course, the stores couldn't handle, you know, like they would have like 100 people trying to return things on one day. So now you're not even allowed to return things well into January, right? And that's, again, where they came up with the idea of a gift receipt and all that kind of stuff, right? But it's for people who want to return things. but. 
Um, but yeah, no, that's where boxing comes from, the physical cardboard boxes. It has nothing to do with pugilism or whatever. That happens on Christmas Eve, right? Or Christmas Day, I should say. You totally ruined my image of boxing I'm sorry, day. Like, sorry. So, uh, I mean, so... All right. Do you, do you remember the old Atari game where you it was like these two little... And you can't see me doing it, but it's so funny. Oh, you're talking about rock where and sock like and robots, right? Back in... Yes, where you would look down at boom, 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 yeah. boom. And it was just the two arms. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. rock and sock and robots yeah. were just, was this toy from Kenner where you could actually physically knock each other. Yeah. Oh, right? I know. He yes, knocked my yes. block off. Yeah. No, yes, I mean, so yes. so Boxing Day for us was, yeah, it's just, it's sort of, so so here's the, what really happened. So. How disappointing. So so we it's have regifting German. with a real sister <laughs> classist bent to it. So we have, we have German in our family and we have, we have, you know, Canadian in our family and then we have British in our family, right? And of course we have extended families and you guys can probably appreciate this, right? So the German Christmas happens on New Year's Eve where, where, um, I think the Christ child comes and puts the trees under the tree. So the kids are taken out for a walk with the dads and the mothers, you know, kind of scram- sorry, the Christ child scrambles and puts together, puts the gifts under the trees, right? Um, by the way, if you have little kids and they don't know the story of Christmas, maybe you should like, you know, and you're not listening on headphones, you should stop listening to this part of the show. Anyway, on, and then on Christmas Day, we have, you know, our traditional, you know, you have the Christmas tree and Santa comes and puts the, the presents under the tree and everybody opens them. And then we have a big meal with our family. So, sorry, the German Christmas, they have a, they have a, a, a Christmas meal on Christmas Eve, right? They have a big, you know, big possum pepper and all that kind of stuff. And and uh, and then on Christmas Day, we have the turkey and the gravy and the mashed potatoes and the, you know, the yams, just like you guys do. And then on Boxing Day, a lot of us have the rest of our family Christmas. So you end up with three Christmases in a row and, and lots of turkey and you're just, you know, you're done with turkey by by that day. But we also, the benefit of us is we also get the day off, right? So we get, we get the 25th off and the 26th off every year. And that's Boxing Day and you can't have it. Well, you can have it, but you can't take it away from us. I, I, I don't know. I'm sad now. <laughs> You're sad. <laughs> you ruined the image of a thousand Canadians beating the crap out of each other. Well, that's called a hockey game. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Tammy, so... Well, there you go. Tammy, so were you thinking it was like the movie The Purge where they get this one day <laughs> They'd be really <laughs> rude to each other? Well, it is The Purge, but with gifts. Right? I'm not that bad. But no, I just... I didn't know, but I, I just... I kept seeing that Atari games image of the boxing with the two little guys beating the crap out of each other. I'm like, that's not very Christmassy. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I kept thinking. But it's funny. I, I never dawned on me that you guys don't have boxing day, but then again, you guys get the Friday after thir- Thanksgiving, right? Cause like, does anybody go to work? Well, I, I guess it's, well, no, see, I guess, you know, we've got black Friday, which is the day after Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. But is that a day but off for stuff. people? Is that a day off for people? People go to work still. Uh, people go to work, but that, yeah, but then, the, the day after Christmas, we've got, I don't know what they call it, but uh, Black Monday or something. Well, and that's when everyone returns their stuff. Yeah, and, in boxes, right? Yeah. And that's, I guess day. that's our <laughs> boxing day. But is it a holiday for you guys? You get the day off. No, oh. it's it's like a death match, celebrity death match. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. Interesting. Well, wow. And this has been your entertainment for tonight. Right, right. <laughs> okay. All right. So let's go around the table and do our picks like we usually do. So, uh, Jaime, do you have a pick? I do. And if you were wondering how you were going to spend your holiday, whichever day that or days that happens to me. Um, I think Mark and I have a, a one-two punch here. Mine is going to go first here. So there's a, a list here on GitHub by... Uh, <laughs> I'm <sorry>. <laughs> a boxing <laughs> day? <Yeah. laughs> Throw it in there casually. <laughs> <laughs> 
So thunder and lightning. So the jab comes first. So <laughs> Lee Kadan has put a, a list on GitHub called Awesome Coromel Models. So the um, machine learning framework that Apple has available, iOS 11, there are tons of different uh, pre-trained models that you can choose from here. Uh, of course, things like uh, Inception V3 that I think a lot of people are familiar with because it's used, I think, in a lot of the examples that Apple has, but also other ones that are out there to do like gender net, uh, gender classification or car recognition or um, even weirdo stuff like um, nudity that classifies an image as safe for work or not safe for work. Or um, there's some other ones that are not Cormel but could be converted to Cormel. So like fashion detection and all sorts of other things. It's a huge list here um, to stuff for you to go play around with during the holiday season. That's cool. All right. So Mark, what do you got for us? So mine is in a, in a very similar vein, except uh, instead of Coromel, it's, it's ARKit. Oh, cool. Uh, it's a GitHub uh, repo that's just a, enti- a, a giant list of ARKit projects. And I'm not actually, actually sure who put this up because there doesn't seem to be a name on it, except it's under OLU Curious. Uh, but there's at least 50 different ARKit projects that uh, have been put up here and that have been gathered from various people, from everything from uh, you know multiplayer games games to weather apps to voxel graphics to everything you can think of pretty, pretty much so uh, if you have an interest in air kit and or just learning it and you want to explore this is a pretty good place to start and see what people are doing so cammy before you go off on the title of these things um did you look through the links to see if you're because you guys have some some uh, ar kit tutorials on your website the dotty one right yeah we actually have um basically an introduction to ar kit on day of the indie.com but we also recently released a monster truck app right. on the app store which it, that was a lot of fun doing honestly mm-hmm. and then recently i just got involved in doing some face id stuff and it's been really really fun you know and i have to say you know as much as i dog the iphone 10 face id and that's an augmented reality it's a lot of fun that's pretty killer yeah I, i'm still finding face id magic i have a tutorial that's coming out um hopefully for christmas or maybe new or january uh, on on Face ID for the uh, RWS site. So something to look forward to. So, okay. So, Tammy, um, what do you got for us? Well, no surprise. Uh, it's it's an art app. Th- does it run? What, wait, what platform does it run on first? Well, here's the thing. It is Clip Studio Paint for iOS, but it is a one-for-one for the desktop version, which they have available on Windows and on Mac OS. And when I say one-to-one, I'm talking like you can see a file menu and exporting and you can literally do everything that you can do on desktop version on the iOS version. It's like you're working on a desktop through AstroPad. It's the most insane experience. Even though it is that close, there are still instances where I take the work from the iPad app or the iOS app and I push it out to, you know, uh, Dropbox or I do a, 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 what's that thing where you airdrop it or whatever it's called onto the Mac and I'll, I'll continue airdrop and I'll continue the, that work on the desktop. So it goes back to what I was saying before, even though this identical app in almost every way, I can do it on. One of the cats fell onto the other cat and they had a fight. Were they boxing? <laughs> they were. Oh my gosh, they were boxing. We couldn't have pre planned that one. <laughs> anyway, I can't have them done. <laughs> oh. 
I'm surprised the mic picked up on it because they're they're like on the other side of the mic. Oh my goodness, it's so funny. Anyway, okay, composure. Good luck editing this, Tim. Um, anyway. <sighs> Even though you can do the same thing on the iOS app that you can do on the desktop app, there's still situations where I feel I just, there's that need to like export it off iOS and into the desktop and finish it up there. And I think the driving force behind that is if I need to get in and do any type of text work. Now I have a killer um, keyboard for the iPad, but it just feels more natural doing it on the Mac. So that's my pick. Uh, Clip Studio so, Paint EX for iOS. Some questions. I know you've, you've been telling me this about this app for a while, but so it has. It says it's free, right? But then it has for now, in-app purchases. Yes. What does that mean? I think it's they're doing it for free for either the next three or six months, and then it's a subscription based, from what I understand. Oh, well, it says Clip it, Clip Studio Paint. I guess the upgrade is for eight ninety nine. Yeah, and I, from from what I'm I'm remembering, which my memory kind of sucks sometimes, I think. They went with a subscription base for their for their iOS app. Really, and I got to tell you, I I I don't like subscription base generally, but it's it's my fa- I, if I'm looking at something to to draw and paint and work with, it's Clip Studio all around. All around. Mm-hmm. So this says Clip yeah. Studio X for Manga. So I, and I know that. So well, there's there's all these used to be Manga Studio, then there's Clip Studio, then there's EX versus not EX. The whole the EX, enchilada, right? It, yeah, the EX gives you more in line with um, creating more project-based stuff as opposed to just like a single file where you're just going to create a single illustration. With the EX, you can do pages and, and you can do a whole comic book. I don't know how that translates to iOS. Excuse me. I don't know how that translates to iOS, but if, you're, if you can afford it, go with the EX version on the desktop. And I think the EX is only available on the on the uh, iOS. Hmm. Yeah, they don't they don't distinguish there. Well, it does say that in the first line of the Right, yeah, I'm sure you need to find print. I see on the website it says eight ninety nine per month, but on the iOS device it doesn't say per month, which I find Yeah, kind of that funny. it's like free for the first six months for subscription start is the way they phrased it. So I think it makes, yeah, I think it, it sounds right, to me right. like the same way that yeah, uh, Adobe's totally Creative Cloud it. suite, whatever that's called, is a subscription basis sort of thing where you need like this mm-hmm. more professional mm-hmm. style tool that, you know, if you're going to use it occasionally, maybe not it, but if you're like really into this sort of thing like you really do want to art and clearly tammy just given uh what yeah, i see yeah. it seems like you do a lot of art like professionally and even just for fun so it seems like it's totally worth it for you or people like you yeah I, I, i'd have to say that 99 percent of the stuff i do now is in clip studio uh the only things that i pull into photoshop at this point are touch-ups and and copy and paste type stuff where i'm adding text clip clip studio text is not the best i mean if you're doing comic book work, it's really good. But if you're just trying to put together a quick meme or or even just text on an image... Photoshop is still the better alternative. If you're looking for strictly 100% vector, you're looking at Affinity Designer or Sketch. But when you want to kind of meld the two together, it's Clip Studio all the way. I mean, 
whether you're working on an iPad Pro on the iOS app or an iPad Pro using the Mac and AstroPad, or if you're just on a desktop using an Intuos or a Wacom or a Cintiq, that uh, that tactile feel, that that natural traditional feel. I don't know how they managed to do it with Clip Studio, but that their brushes and their pens and their tools, it feels so traditional. You know, Photoshop, there's still that you can feel like it's digital. With Clip Studio Paint, you feel like you're really holding a pencil. It's bizarre. I don't know how they did it, mm. but they, they did it. Interesting. Cool. All right. Well, I guess that's our picks for the week. But hey, Jaime, if people want to find you on the intro, just wherever they look. I'm on Twitter as at Dev with the Hair. All right. And Mark, if you want to get in touch with you. Mark R at Snapsoft.com. All right. And Tammy, how many people find you down there in Tennessee? I'm at Paradox927 on Twitter. All right. And I'm Timitra, T-I-M-M-I-T-R-A on the Twitter machine. And we'll talk to you guys in the new year. Bye. Bye. You've just experienced the More Than Just Code podcast. If you want to find out more about the show, you can visit the More Than Just Code website at mtjc.fm. There you'll find a summary and show notes of each episode. We list links to the items that we talk about on the show, picks for the episode, as well as links to the apps on the App Store. If you like the podcast, please leave a comment on the website and write a review on iTunes. If you're listening on Overcast, go ahead and press the recommend button. It really helps others find out about the show. You can also follow the show on Twitter at mtjc underscore podcast. If you'd like to support the show, you can pledge any amount on patreon.com slash mtjc. Thanks again for listening. Downloaded this thing, Jamie. Oh, good. No, I'm telling you, I I was using it all day yesterday, all day today. Good example of an app that works on different platforms, and therefore, Mark, I have to tell you, I'm I'm surprised they did not pull that off the App Store. Just because, I mean, you know, if you read the the human interface guidelines, you're not supposed to have like a file menu, and it's it's supposed to be really a different experience. It's um, if I were to fire up my iPad with AstroPad and fire up Clip Studio on my Mac and use it, it's it's no different than if I were to fire up my Clip Studio uh, iOS version. The only difference is at this point, I now have more um, gesture access and, and I, I can almost do more things now on my iPad with the iOS version than I can with my desktop version and using it through AstroPad on the on the iPad, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like, like, for example, like I had the a couple days ago, I was working working on the iOS version and and I know you can't see what I'm doing but I was with my 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 hands I was doing the the pinch and zoom and rotate on the iPad and I was getting around and doing a drawing and then today or or yesterday I had to do an article strictly using the Mac version but I don't have my Cintiq hooked up anymore cuz I'm selling it and I only have the iPad and the AstroPad so I'm sitting there I'm using the iPad but I don't have 
have that, those touch gestures where I can like grab it with two fingers and rotate my canvas. So I, I almost had to like stop and think about, okay, what am I doing? Let me do it and then do it. Whereas if I was just using the iOS version, I could just grab it with two fingers, rotate it, do my draw, my line or whatever the case it was, and then boom, put it back. Can you tell I'm really excited about this software? <laughs> She's been going on about it for months. So I have been like, like one of my friends told me about it. He's like, do you know that they came out with them? Like what? <laughs> no way. I gotta go get it. Well, it's kind of messy. I'm playing around with it right now as we speak. Oh, for an iPad version, it's totally messy. It's, um, it's, it's literally, they took what they had on the Mac and just and they put it. it yes. And when you go from like using a traditional Mac app or a traditional Windows app to that one, it, it's, there's really a big learning curve because you've got all these windows that they feel very separate and they don't work. And you're like, what the hell am I working on? And there's a huge steep learning curve to uh, Clip Studio. But once you start to get the hang of it and you understand the interface and the tools and you start to use it more and you get past that, again, it's the whole, I'm a user, this is what I want, this is what I'm used to. So anything else is subpar. Once you get past that, it's a big hurdle and I, I had to get past it myself. You're like, wow, this is really incredibly useful and powerful. But there's that, I'm a user and I'm used to what I'm used to and I'm going to fight it. You have to get past that. Yeah, it is kind of cool. Like the, it, like it, it's kind of weird, like using a manual, like you said. So I guess the question I have for two is, is so if you get a subscription for iOS, does it also translate over to the Mac side? You don't need a subscription for the Mac side. The Mac side is just you outright purchase it, get it from oh, Smith Micro. They, yeah. they carry it and they're always usually having like 50% off sales and 45% really? off sales. So you can get, I think you can probably get that for like 20 bucks mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and it's, it's not subscription. It's a one-time purchase, at least right now. Yeah. Um, and I don't know why they went for the subscription base on the iOS device. I Everybody's guess. doing that these days. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking. I guess it's because, well, Hey, you know, keeping up with the Joneses. Um, it seems to be the only, the only, uh, um, renewable payment model that works for developers. Right? Yeah. And in all honesty, you know, I was, I was very anti subscription based. I mean, I, I've been an Adobe suite user since CS4, I guess, actually CS3 probably. Yeah. And I was very reluctant to switch over to the, to the creative cloud. You know, I don't need this. Who's going to update blah, blah, blah. But when they're coming out with new features and I have them right away, I'm like, Oh yeah, this mm. is kind of cool. Right. The incentive for Adobe change where rather than trying to package everything up and all right, let's see if we can sell you another one next year. Um, they can just continue to get money from you and can also continue to just give you stuff when it's ready. Right. And I, I use it enough. And granted, I don't use it every day, although mm -hmm. I probably do use Photoshop every day, but I don't use the other stuff every day. So I'd, I probably could just get away with the single app subscription. But yeah. then I, then I stopped to think about it. And I'm like, you know, I've got all these, these extra things with all the other apps that I use on occasion. And sometimes I use yeah. it more and it's really worth it to me. Mm. Yeah. I think, I think about it, like I've bought a lot of apps for my iPad and I don't, I don't use them nearly enough. Right. I think my biggest problem with Adobe though, on the Adobe side is that they're charging for subscription. You pay in a year, if you pay in a couple of years, you pay as much as you would have back in the day when you had to buy. And But now you're getting, I guess the difference is you're getting like the master collection, what they used to call that, right? Um, but the one thing, you know, the one thing I'm going to miss from Photoshop is, and, I, and I'm starting to run into this problem with, with High Sierra because the version of um, 
Photoshop I'm running on High Sierra is not 100% happy is, do you ever use smart objects, Tammy? I do, yeah. Is there I actually any, use them a lot. <laughs> does anybody, any other any other provider have anything that is similar to a smart object? I do it all the time. Like I'll, like I'll, I'll be working on a, like a lot of the mock-ups well, I do for the podcast. Yeah, no, no. Right? Clip, Clip Studio Paint does. Of course they do. So they have like, like if I have something on a layer, I can basically make it into into a, a smart object and then edit it separately and have and then have it bring back in. Yes, I'm thing. telling you, and this is this is what this is what baffles my mind and drives me crazy because you've got this software that does all of these things and more, right. and yet very few people know about it. And honestly, I think it's because it's marketed poorly. I mean, Clip Studio Paint reminds us old timers of Microsoft Paint or MS Paint. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, so you don't. Off. Yeah, you don't think <laughs> that it's it's uh, at the powerhouse or power horse or whatever you call it level. Yeah. And yet it's so much more than that. It's beyond that. I mean, when I tell you that it's got all of these features and it's got that tactile feel and that traditional feel for us artists who really enjoy that that pencil yeah. and paper yeah. grittiness, it's got that. But you don't know it because you're not looking for something called Clip Studio Paint because, you know, you worked with the MS Paint back in the 80s, right? Mm, yeah. And clip art certainly feels cheap yeah. and from like the 80s or 90s. So I, exactly. I think Let's bring back Clippy, right? Come on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Clippy, the Wonder Paper Clip. Yeah, no, I, I, I encourage everyone to go get it be, because it's just, it's something that I remember when I first got it, I was like, oh, this this is, this sucks. I'm, I'm going back to Photoshop and or Art Rage or whatever it was that I was using. Mm-hmm. And then I, you, ha- you, yeah, right. You have to push beyond that, that user thing. And that's what I'm doing with the iPhone 10. I know that the bottleneck and the reluctance is with the user in this case. It's me. I know that I'm the reason why I don't like it. So I need to change my perception of the tool I'm using. The tool is not getting in the way. I'm getting in the way. And when I can get out of my own way, then I can let the tool be the tool and work for me. Mm-hmm. It'll be a 7 out of 10 come New Year. Gosh. <laughs> I, I, you're probably we right. We have to get a new Tammy. That's what the problem is. Not we have two Tammy. data points and it's <laughs> trending up. The slope is two points. So Yeah, yeah. I'm always in two minds. <laughs> I swear I'm a Gemini. I'm not, but you'd think I was. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So this is uh, this is the Greg one here. So I was looking up because you brought up the sesquicentennial for 150. Okay. Um, oh, that's years, but yeah, yeah, yeah. 175 is, is one of two options according to this one website: demi semisept centennial or quartosept centennial. Quartosept centennial. Yeah. Nice. So the more you know, the more. You when we know. get to 200, it'll be easier because it's just bicentennial. That's true. That's true. Are we gonna have like you know? Um, styrofoam cups with our bicentennial printed on them and banners and wrinkled banners and stuff like that. Hey, do you know if we can do the MTJC coin and get some budget for that, sure, why not? <laughs> hey, uh, do you know you can get a, a Star Wars land speeder for your kids? I have one. I'm just kidding. I don't. <laughs> I, don't. I did have like, a Scooby van. When you say oh, this, speaking is it of like... Scooby van, did you hear that sound? The voice of, of uh, Selma Daphne on uh, Scooby Doo died. Oh. <gasps> 
No. Yeah. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. You're such the bearer of bad news. I know. It's my job. It's my job to bring you down. So I know. You always tell me people who die. Can't you tell? Oh, like, hey, this new hey, person was born. Was born they're gonna yeah. <laughs> and they're going to be like the next, you know, Elon Musk. Yeah, exactly. So here's a question I have for you, Tammy. You didn't go off on either of these two guys who basically brought you pics that had the word awesome in the title. I was being kind. It's, you know, Christmas miracle. <laughs> oh, yeah. Exactly. Oh, nice. That would you describe these brownies as both awesome and moist is really what I would say. Oh, God. Oh, now, see, <laughs> Wait, my Christmas miracle is over. I have run out of miracle. <laughs> with pink icing. Mark's being awfully quiet over there. Mark's like, why'd you invite her again? <laughs> it's so nice without All her. she ever talks about is how horrible Apple is. <laughs> and all these Re- art things. Is she even a developer? <laughs> Reincarnate Steve Jobs already. Yeah. So Tim, Bruce Coburn is touring around here. Oh, is he? Yeah. Should you go? Yeah, he's probably one of our better musicians for sure. Yeah. Um, is he playing solo or is he playing? I think he's with the band. Yeah. Is it, does it say what he's what he's covering? He just got some major big award from, from Canada, like a Walk of Fame or something like that or whatever. But yeah, he's he's one of the reasons why I learned how to play guitar. Oh, really? Sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've seen him, I don't know, umpteen times. Um, mm. Yeah. I stopped going to see him but, uh, a little while ago, but yeah. Yeah. But no, no, he's, 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 uh, yeah. Like you, you, I think you've heard the Stealing Fire album with the trouble or you, you have the, um, uh, which one do you have? You have. You pay your money and you take your chances. Yeah. That's it's, that's, it's got a the loner on it. That's, that's, I think that's an album. That's the album, one or two albums before the Stealing Fire, which is Stealing Fire was the one with, you know, if I had the rocket launcher and oh, yeah, yeah. all that Nicaragua music, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, he's definitely, definitely, uh, he's up there in terms of uh, quality guitarists for sure. Yeah. Steve Hackett's coming back here in, in uh, Massey Hall. So. Oh, you definitely should go to that. Yeah, I should, but I haven't bought my ticket yet. So I'm trying to, trying to convince my sister to come with me because she, now she's lived, she lives back in town and she used to be in Calgary and we never used to go to these things together. But now, uh, now she's around. But you're right. I should go see him again. I saw him the first time or saw him the last time he was here a couple of years ago. But I think he's doing um, his own stuff as well. You saw him recently, didn't you? Yeah. He's doing his yeah. own stuff as well as Genesis stuff, right? Yeah. The last time I saw him, the first set was all his stuff. The second set was all Genesis stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I saw Richard Thompson this past weekend. Yeah, you mentioned him from, he's a British guy, right? Yeah. Originally from Fairport Convention years and years ago, but he's been uh, solo for way longer than he was in that band. Was Fairport Convention an American band or British? No, they were British. Yeah. British folk rock. They were like the British version of the Birds or the early Jefferson oh, folk, yeah. folk hmm. rockers. Yeah. Interesting stuff. All right, folks. Now I need to, yeah, everybody have a happy holidays and see you in the new year. Yeah. Happy holiday. Happy, happy new year. All kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Thanks for ditto, coming. Ditto, ditto. Yeah. That's my bedtime. My nap time. Yeah. yeah. Thank yeah. you for inviting me. Happy holidays and happy Kwanzaa, happy Susquehanna or Festivus and uh, thanks Sat- for Saturday thanks now. for yeah. ruining my Boxing Day visions, Tim. <laughs> jerk. You you believe whatever belief system you have, Tammy. You don't have to listen to what I have to say, right? I'm so gullible. I'll believe I could totally be anyway. making that up about the cardboard box. No, right? You could. You totally could. Yeah, it could be. It could be totally pulling your leg. It could be. It could be like you know when we all get black eyes and stuff. Could be. Yeah. It's like it's like the old joke. I went to the fights the other day and a hockey game broke out. Exactly. Damn Canadians. <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you so much. Happy yeah. holidays, like Jaime said, or hi, hi, Tame. I, I don't know. We're going to have to come up with a name. Mark, as always, it was a pleasure talking to you. You too. Happy holidays. You too. All right, guys. Later. Okay. Bye. 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 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.